Welcome to the Draft Deeper Podcast. This is your host, Nathan Grubel. Joining me as always is my producer, Kevin Black, and guest hosting with me tonight. I have been pumped to talk about this, uh, talk with this guy since he gave me a shout out on the Athletic NBA show like months ago. I don't know if he remembers <laughs> it or not, but I wasn't expecting to wake up to my name being shouted out on an athletic podcast on a yeah. Saturday morning. But yeah, nevertheless, nevertheless, we have been covering lottery teams. We've been trying to do the breakdowns about what their seasons did look like previously. What's the outlook for the team with the cores they have moving forward? And where the hell are they going to go in the draft? So there's nobody better to talk about the Oklahoma City Thunder with than host of the Down the Dunk podcast. Andrew, you're going to have to plug everything that you do. You're involved with so many things at the Athletic. <laughs> I, I can't even keep up. So Andrew Schleck from the Athletic. How you doing, boss? I'm doing great. Thanks for having me. Absolutely. So but before we get too deep into what we want to talk about tonight, why don't you go ahead and, and plug yourself and plug all the content that you do for my audience so that they make sure they're following everything you do, not just under related. But you talk about a lot of different draft and NBA stuff. Yeah. So down to dunk was kind of like the original baby of mine. Uh, I've been doing that for over a decade now. We've been doing down to dunk. So uh, that's our Thunder podcast. And then I, I'm a host and producer for the Athletic NBA show and uh, do another Patreon show called the OKC Dream Team. That's at patreon.com slash OKC Dream Team. And then I'm all over the place at the Athletic right now. So, yeah. So an Oklahoma City Thunder fan um, and appreciator, as you mentioned, the Down to Dunk podcast, you, you help host a lottery party. A am I correct? Yeah. Yes, we had an awesome lottery party downtown in Oklahoma City and uh, had a had a, a large segment of the uh, fan base there and packed the house and thank God it went well. Last year we had a, we had one and it was it was quite an experience because the Thunder had the fourth best odds and, you know, you're you go into it. You know, they had the possibility of also getting Houston's pick if it fell to five and yep. Now you could have as good as one in five, but then they walked with just six. And like, it was, it was an amazing environment just because I hadn't been in an environment that hyped that went, that went from like, so hopeful to like, just dead in like two <laughs> seconds. Uh, and this year it was even, but it was great because we got to see the antithesis of that. We got to see just, they continue to draw the names and you get to the commercial break and everyone's going nuts. Yes. And then there's still some anxiety because, like, you really don't want to be four in this draft. You really just don't. Uh, but you're fine. Like, you're okay. Like, if it's four, you can you can talk yourself into it. But when four gets drawn as the Kings, you're like, oh, wow. Okay. <laughs> and then three, and it, it's the Rockets. The whole place just went berserk. Is this actually going to happen? <laughs> yeah. And then two gets drawn, and it's the Thunder. And, like, there's, like, it's funny because it happens so fast. There's like this brief moment where you're like, oh, but then you realize, oh no, they get the second pick. Like they, this is great. You know? So then everybody just loses their mind. So yeah, it was awesome. So I, I already respected you a ton, man. And I, and I respect and appreciate your work, but then I saw that you hosted a lottery party and listen, I, I, I'm from the Philly area. My producer, mm. Kevin and I are about an hour north of Philadelphia. So we are, incredibly familiar with the rights to Ricky Sanchez lottery parties and the podcast yep. and all that fun stuff. So trust me, I have, I have been to crazy lottery parties. I've drugged friends to crazy lottery parties and we walk into Xfinity live. They're like, Nate, what, what the hell are we doing here? Like, what is this? It's just absolute <laughs> pandemonium over a draft lottery. And it's like only the sickos and the degenerates of, of basketball fandom are going to yes. bind themselves to something like that. But that that's what you and I are. So we can, we can yep. bond over lottery parties. So that's exactly right. Let's dive into it. Let's get into the Oklahoma City Thunder. Obviously, you know you guys are in, in the lottery for a reason. Un unfortunately, trust me, as, as trust the process is where I come from fandom. I understand that very well. 24 and 58 last year, 14th in the Western Conference. Big picture takeaways, though, from the team last year. Andrew, what are some of the positives? What are some of the negatives you saw from the team? What are, come, what are some of your thoughts moving forward? Yeah, I mean, positives have to start with Shea Gilgis-Alexander, who had a ridiculous second half of his season. He led the league in drives per game again this year. He's 
able to drive left or right. He's able to finish left or right. Uh, his pull-up looks really, really good. His passing is improved. Uh, he's just going to be a really difficult shot taker and maker in the NBA from the guard position. And the three-point shot was not as good as it was last year, but if you take a look at like open shot data on him, like he still is a good shooter. So mm-hmm. I don't have a lot of concerns there. Uh, and then Josh Giddy is good, which is a very <laughs> positive thing for the Thunder, who got the sixth pick last year. In a very good draft, you still wish that you wound up in the top five or the top four, but to get Josh at the spot that they did is pretty great. You know, he's a outrageous rebounder. Obviously, the passing and IQ stuff like stands out. Yeah. And he showed some more scoring prowess than what I expected in year one. You know, he's got the floater game. He can score going to the paint. He's not afraid to shoot it from three. He wasn't good at all from three. He had good stretches, but for the most part, he's going to have to work on that. But just the IQ stuff and the ability to make teammates better is is just outrageous. And then, I mean, those are like the, those are the two core pieces for the Thunder you know, moving forward along with whoever they take it to this year. And then you have these periphery pieces like uh, Lou Dort is probably the first one that you mentioned. Like Lou's still pretty young. He's still only 22 years old, uh, averaged 17 points per game this year for the Thunder. Uh, Shot it okay, uh, but is still just a guy who gets lost in the game defensively, just an amazing defender. Uh, And then Trey Mann, who was a mid-first round pick, just showcased his ability to create space like very few players in the NBA can. Uh, he's He's got to work on his efficiency a lot, but he's just a fun player and then can sprinkle in a bunch of guys like Poku had a horrific start to his season. And then a, where, where, where are you at on, on Poku Island at this point, personally? Where, where are you at? Uh, here's the deal with Poku. <laughs> he's He has got to not need the G League next year. So in year one, he came in, was just a wild man. Like they they just didn't know what to do with him. He didn't know (laughs) what to do with himself. And they had to send him to the G League bubble. He went there, started to get things on track, came back, had a really nice second half of the season. It happened again, although it started so different. Like the language that they used with Poku is like, we need to, I mean, Mark Degnall was telling me like, they, we need to tighten the screws on Poku. And so they were trying to box Poku in a little bit at the beginning of the year. And this wild caged animal did not like that. And so he went to the G league again. He was horrible. I mean, like we started having conversations about, is he even going to make it to his fourth year in the NBA? Those are like the conversation we had at the beginning of the year. And then you move on to the second half. He wasn't good in the G League. He went to the G League for like three weeks. I went and saw him. They they, The G League plays here in downtown OKC. I went and saw him play against the the Kings G League team. And he was like straight bad. Uh, Was not good in the G League. And so you start to get really concerned. But then he comes back to the NBA and he starts to play well. He starts to play well defensively. Uh, they used him in a lot of creative ways down the stretch. They would use him as a guy just at the rim because he has the most length and size on the yeah. team. So they used him at the rim. Um, not not that he's like waiting on, you know, for, for somebody to get a post up, but he's just meeting guys at the rim and it worked. He can slide his feet on the perimeter. And then offensively, the shot still has a long way to go. But just the floor vision, the ability to grab the ball off the rim and, and push is really intriguing and he shot over 40%, you know, which is good. Something Trey Mann didn't do this year. So it's there's some encouraging things about him. He's still really young. Like yeah. he's he's still younger than a lot of the guys that are going to go in the first round this year. So you have to wait. But you know, definitely the shine is off Poku and he's got a lot to prove this year. But he's still fun. He's uh he's just he's an interesting fellow. He he actually made some custom fanny packs um, for at a, for, with a local shop. Um, I, one of my buddies actually that owns the shop. We my we partnered with him in the past with my podcast. But I'm hold on one second. I'm gonna go get the Poku. I have a Poku pack. Yes, I, mean, I, 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 I want to see this. I want to see this for for everybody 
listening on the podcast while Andrew's going. So this was together. part of the luck that we had on lottery night was this delightful. Oh my God. Look at Alexei Pokushevsky pack. We actually partnered with them. Uh, it's a company called shop. Good. It's a local one that Poku came out and signed everybody's Poku packs that night. And so signed, sealed, delivered. See the, everybody who's listening to this. Now you have to go on YouTube. Because you got to see the Poku fanny pack. You go to, go to YouTube, YouTube. Go to shopgoodokc.com. Grab yourself a Poku pack. It's either going to be an awesome thing to have whenever he's playing well in the playoffs, or it's going to be a hilarious thing to have later to say, like, I have a fanny pack of this guy who was never good in the NBA, but he had enough uh, personality or prowess to make his own fanny pack. So, like, either way, it's it's a very good purchase. Were you a little horrified with where they drafted him in the first round? Or were you kind of just like, you know what? We might as well take the swing. Like, screw it. Why not? What do we have to lose? Because I, I, I'll i just tell you, like, a lot of draft Twitter had him, like, crazy high on big yeah. boards. And I'm like, guys, we, we really got to settle down with this poker stuff. Like, I'm going to have him in the 30s. I, I yeah. do think he's an NBA player. But, like, even if he hits, it's it's going to take some time. Like, we, we yeah. all got to settle down. And, and he get, goes in the first round to you guys. And. I mean, developmental team, right? So he obviously you you have the time to work with him, but like he, he was going to be a project always coming in. So were you, were you a little horrified? We were kind of excited, honestly, and we okay. knew it was we knew it was coming. And we just if that was Sam's guy, like just go get him. Right. But, you know, by that time the Thunder had already started to acquire the just mountain of assets, and we kind of knew that they're going to have to use those assets at some point. Sure. In order to. I mean, they, you can't have 38 guys on your team. So How, you, you still have a mountain of assets. What are we talking I know. <laughs> so you have to spend them somehow. If you're going to spend them to go get Poku, like fine. Uh, there, there are guys that you can look at and say, oh man, they really missed on Jaden McDaniels or, you know, Desmond Bain or whoever. But I mean, Thunder were never going to take Desmond Bain. Jaden McDaniels, you can make the argument about like they probably should have just taken him, but. There were some scary things about Jaden McDaniels going into the draft too. There are tons of question marks about him. So it's like, yeah, it's kind of like whatever. And if he works out great, if he doesn't, you know, he's, he's way down on the thunder totem pole um, right now. You know, there's a lot, there's a lot of talent that they're, that they're going to be developing and whoever they get in this draft. I mean, I keep telling thunder fans this, like the way you think about the team now is going to change so dramatically in five weeks that you're going to just laugh at any take that you had about Isaiah Roby this past year. Listen, man, Isaiah Roby plays some, some damn good defense. We, we, we are Isaiah Roby fans over, over here. Okay. So, <laughs> but before, before we get into um, SGA and Giddy specifically, we'll talk about them individually for a little bit. You did mention the treasure trove of assets and it's, it, it's quite the treasure trove. And how I think about it, and I'll be curious to get your opinion on what Sam Presti's done and really the position you guys are in moving forward Presti has gone about this at least in my opinion to where he understands who he is he understands that he is absolutely one of the best at identifying talent in the NBA and he's been really good at doing that through the draft whether everybody's been like a multi-time all-star obviously not but if you just go back and look at who he's drafted they're like really good to to serviceable NBA players along with some of the all-stars so like he he knows what he's doing in the draft so whether you're collecting assets to potentially flip and, and move for another star in a trade, I think regardless, having the number of picks that he does to be able to go out and, and use what he's good at as a general manager and a president to find talent, right? I think that's probably the best part about it. He's, he's playing to his strengths and playing to his identity more than I think a lot of executives are around the NBA. You kind of see it that way? Yeah, I mean, when you, when you think about building a team in Oklahoma City, you have to be very intentional and understand what tools are available to you. And Sam understands that better than just about anybody. Yep. And he, he knows that there's, you know, teams like Miami and the Lakers and the Nets and the Celtics and the Sixers, even to an extent, like they have more tools available to them that the Thunder just don't have. They have the free agency tool. Yeah. And the best player the Thunder have ever gotten in free agency is New Orleans Noel. You know, like that's that's the best, which just means you you have not used free agency and you can't use free agency. 
know, they couldn't lure Pau Gasol, like old man Pau Gasol, to the yeah. Thunder when Kevin Durant and Russell Westbrook were at like the peak of their Thunder powers. So yeah. um, it's just a tough place to build. And so you have to do it through the draft and you have to do it through trade. And the Thunder found themselves in a really unique position at the end of the Westbrook era where Westbrook still had a ton of value and Paul George still had a ton of value. And that team was internally imploding <laughs> and I, they were able to get a crazy amount of drafted assets for Paul George, same thing for Westbrook. And then they just continued to just flip guys. Um, they found themselves with a pretty interesting team with that Chris Paul, SGA, Gallinari, Stephen Adams, Dennis Schroeder team, which was really, that was a really fun year. But now Sam has positioned them where they're going to be building through the draft. Yep. Um, you know, they've had two, this will be their second draft of the rebuild. And my guess is they'll have one more where, you know, they're going to come away with this. They'll have, if they keep the 12th pick and, you know, keep the second pick or wherever they end up in the lottery, they'll have, you know, three lottery picks after this year. And then hopefully another couple after this year, and then they'll be ready to try to, you know, build the team back up. But, you know, Sam, you know, Sam is a huge blessing to Thunder fans because there's a lot yeah. of GMs that don't understand this type of strategy and wouldn't have the patience to carry it out. And, you know, I think a lot of the fans have had, there's some, there's some segments of the fan base that have had, you know, a tough time understanding it, but it's way easier to sell now where it's like, Oh, they got the second pick in the draft. Uh, last year it was hard to sell. Like well, they did all that for the sixth pick. Well, great. Like, what's wrong with this guy? This guy's an idiot. He doesn't know what he's doing. And it's like, well, this is a part. This is can, this can happen. You know, this is part of the part. process. Um, and now that this happened, there's a lot of there's a lot of excitement around the fan base and what Sam has been able to do, certainly. Yeah, because now now you guys have three first round picks and we'll certainly get into some targets with each of those respective picks. But let's as I said, let's 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 go a little bit into some of these guys individually here. We will start with. The man, the myth, the legend, Shea Gilgis Alexander, one of my favorite players in the NBA. I don't know, Andrew, where you were at on SGA um, in his draft, respectively. He was somebody, even going back to the preseason of that draft, I flagged him as like the most interesting guard prospect hmm. in that draft because, and even now in the NBA, it's kind of the same thing. He does some things on the court offensively you, you can't ex, you can't fully explain it with words right like he just kind of does some things and you're like well I can't explain it but it works and to a lot of a lot of things it works at a high level so like he's a guy 24 and a half points five rebounds 5.9 assists this past season and, and this past season a little bit of up and down for multiple reasons but really you go back even the year prior 2020 2021 we, we know who he is he's a 50 40 80 plus guy at his best, one of the best three-level scorers from the guard position, in my opinion, in the NBA. This guy is a real mainstay on really good teams, not just good teams, like really good teams in the NBA. I guess my question for you, since I would agree that he's definitely a keeper, like a mainstay for the franchise, mm -hmm. you think he's ex-best player on a really good team. You think he's the first, second, third. If, if, if everything breaks right for the Thunder, they're, they're contending in the West. Uh, where where do you see him at in the pecking order? I mean, you can make the case for first or second for him. Um, he's still young. He's still developing. He's as hungry as ever. Yeah. Uh, he's got a really interesting personality about him. Like he's extremely driven and he's extremely positive. Um, one of the most positive people I've ever been around. I went and we're sitting there waiting for players at Thunder exit interviews and he, you know, it, you sit there for a while, you get to talk to coach and you're sitting there just kind of typing on your computer or working on something. I think I was editing a podcast or something and he walks in from behind us and he's like, good morning, good morning, good morning, everybody. And it's like, wait, who is this? You know, is this Thunder PR bringing us donuts or something? And then it's Shea Gildas Alexander, like pumped up to, to talk to us, you know, after he hadn't played after they had this really, you know, pretty bad season and he's pumped up to talk about it. He's pumped up to talk about the off season. Uh, he's fully bought into the plan. And I think all of those things are really important 
you know, context for people to understand the, this Thunder team. Cause I think a lot of people think like, Oh, Shea's 23. He just, he's starting his new contract this year. Maybe the Thunder are going to trade him. Uh, he is, he's fully on board. The Thunder are enamored with him still and are learning more about him, you know, as he continues to play for them and as they continue to pick his brain and, you know, post all-star break last year, which is only 13 games, but he was 30 points, six boards, seven assists. You know, he's shooting 39% from three during that stretch. Ridiculous. Um, 63% true shooting in that Ridiculous. stretch. I mean, that's the, that's the kind of thing that he can do. And that's, and that's why I, I think that consensus would probably say that he's probably closer to your second best guy on a really good team. But like 36 and seven on 63% true shooting is a first best guy on a good team. You know, and if he can do that, through a longer stretch or, you know, we will talk about who they can target in this draft, but part of the, one of the biggest problems on this team is spacing. You know, nobody yeah. shot the three ball well on this thunder team this year. I mean, the, the best shooter on the team is probably Mike Muscala who did shoot it well from three, but I mean, he played 43 games and not a ton of minutes. You know, he played less than 600 minutes this year. Uh, that's, that's not great if that's your best shooter on the team that's providing spacing for you. And so if they can get somebody that can provide some kind of spacing, whether that be spacing out to three or some kind of like vertical spacing to the rim, I mean, that's what, that's what they need pretty badly. And they just lack talent. I mean, they used Isaiah Roby at the end of the year in that spot to help Shea get space. They, you know, they tried their best with Josh and him, which is still kind of a weird fit. Yeah. You know, Lou Dort doesn't provide spacing. No one cares if Poku shoots. Um, you know, there's just there's just a lot going on. I mean, Lindy Waters the third. So a lot of people are gonna be like, who? Um, he's a guy who's on a two-way. He shot the ball real well for them. He was like probably one of their other best shooters on the team. And he's like a a, a local guy that worked his way up and found his way onto this Thunder team that may not play ever again as a Thunder player, but, you know, that's, that's the kind of help they needed. Like, they're, they're digging deep to find shooting help at the end of the season. Lindy Waters, Gabriel Deck, Melvin Frazier. I mean, you, listen, yeah. when you're a rebuilding team, I mean, they're, they're, there's revolving doors, right? So that, that's yep. just kind of the, the, the way that it goes, whatever, whatever kind of help you can get to keep things afloat. SGA's defense. Talk to me about where you're at on his defense, because there's some eye test stuff that would tell you he should be better than what some of the numbers indicate. We, yep. we obviously we, we don't trust a lot of the numbers on defense for a variety of reasons. That, that's mm -hmm. natural. But do you think he there are some areas where he legitimately struggles or do you think some of it might just be the, the offensive burden that he has to carry night in, night out? Where are you at on his defense? Because like six, six with length, he should be able to cover a lot of ground on, on defense for sure. Uh, yeah, he's gotten worse um, since he's, you know, been in the NBA. That year with the Clippers was, like, really encouraging. Um, and what he was able to do for them, like, that was, that was really pretty special. Uh, and even in year one with the Thunder, where Chris Paul and Dennis Schroeder are there handling the ball most of the time, and he's kind of this off-ball, you know, attack, close out, get downhill when you can kind of guy. Yeah. He could play defense. and then. It's just so tough. Like, how much does playing hard on defense matter when you're winning 24 games? You know, I mean, it's just it's really difficult because yeah, they didn't play any games that mattered this year. You know, they won some games early, like they won a game against the Lakers in Staples where he hit this logo three. Um, now winning a game against the Lakers means nothing. Like it it, it meant something then, and in the context now, it means nothing. But you know. He's he's got the ability. Now he's he needs help yes. on the offensive end to be able to contribute. And I and I do think that with the length, I mean, he had almost 50 blocks and 70 steals this year, you know, from the guard position. Like that's pretty great. Um so I think he was second in blocks on the team to Darius Baisley. Um, which, you know, that's 
for a team and they're a team that doesn't have any bigs. They don't have any guys that, you know, protect the rim, but still having a guard that can go out and get you 50 blocks in a season and 56 games is pretty good. Um, he'll be able to contribute at that end. Like right now, if you were to take his defensive sample from last year, like he's certainly a guy you target in a pick and roll. He'll die on a screen. He'll mm-hmm. get lost off ball at times, but you know, I've seen him play defense well and you're one and two and can you get him to do that again i don't know you know it's i mean that's going to be a question in a couple of years when the thunder are good again is what does his defense look like and to me it's it's probably questionable at best speaking of darius Baisley, really quick before we move into to josh giddy i got i gotta ask you for your thoughts on Darius Baisley, because I have somebody who's been on my podcast multiple times, one of my good friends in the basketball space. His name is Brad Usher, and he watches so many Thunder games because for whatever reason, he's a Darius Baisley truther. Wow. And I'm just like, well, <laughs> I, I listen, man, I, I don't understand. I'm not trying to be too negative on Darius Baisley, but yeah. he thinks like there could be a real breakout coming with him. And I'm like, well, we're, we're, we're kind of waiting for for the consistency on, on the offensive end. Where, where are you kind of at on Baisley? Because you didn't mention him with, some of the other young names you talked about. Yeah, I am. I'm not on that train. I I like Darius, the the person. I think he's a really inter- He's really interesting. He just thinks differently than anybody else. He'll he really will give you pretty thoughtful answers, and will sometimes give like the most awkward pauses in a presser ever. One time he paused for 30 something seconds to think of what he was going to say. And I was just like, wow, this is weird. Um, on the court, he's def- he's gotten better as a defender. He's still not physical as a defender. Yeah. Um, he's real good at, you know, his timing with blocks and he doesn't foul much at all, which is a good trait. Like Mark always says he's an efficient defender, uh, but he's not physical enough, really. He's, a, he's probably better as a wing defender than he is as a defender of bigs. Uh, and then it's just the shot. Like, the shot has not come along. He shooting tw- shot 29% from three this year. And he's kind of a wild man with the ball. Uh, you, don't, you don't really want him creating. He's got the ability to do it. But I don't – he's just not a guy that you ever really want creating. You want the, like – ultimate version of him is is very similar to jeremy grant and what jeremy Mm -hmm. grant has become is like a guy that can shoot the corner three attack a closeout um he's really i guess really jeremy grant from denver is probably the better way to say it because like the jeremy grant in detroit you know he he's learned to really create a lot on his. that guy puts the ball in the basket yeah and (laughs) darius is just not there you know, he's, yeah. he's got a long ways to go. He's still pretty young, um, but he's, he's going to have to show something this season in order for him to, to make it in the league. You know, you can look at his shooting splits. He shot better from two the second half of the year, but from three, he was just around 30%, you know, for the entire season. There's not really any, there's not any good like samples in there of him shooting the ball well so and it's just hard it's hard to be a a limited creator and not shoot the three well and be a guy who makes it as an nba role player so if he can do that maybe things will turn around for him but the the clock's ticking if your name isn't shay giddy or dort the clock is ticking as a thunder player because they're going to bring in three or four guys this year and then three or four more guys the next year yeah and there's going to be guys around you developing and there will be guys that get chewed up and spit out by this Thunder program in the next yep. two years just because they have a numbers problem. And Darius could be one of those guys. Yeah, the, the, the amount of talent that's coming into the NBA at this point is, is absolutely obscene. Um, yep. there, there will always be somebody coming in to potentially take your job. Speaking of somebody who does a lot of creation on offense, said we were going to talk about Josh Giddy. We'll hit on him, then we'll move into some draft targets. For this year, your reaction when the when the Thunder drafted Josh Giddy was what? I was kind of excited because okay. I wasn't I wasn't really the everybody was saying book night like any intel out there was like oh it's gonna be book night and I'm like Ugh. I wasn't excited about that I was like fine if they like him fine uh, I I don't love the profile of this like 
score that really can't defend, doesn't have elite bursts, doesn't have elite size. Like, I just don't know what he's going to do. Like you just, like, he's just going to have to be just this guy who can put the ball in the bucket. So my, my, my comp for book night when he was coming out of the draft last year was like a a souped up athletic version of like a Gary Harris. And like, that's, that's the kind of player though. Like Gary Harris went the back end of the lottery. Like that's not somebody taking like the top six. So yeah, he went about where he should have gone. Yeah. Ultimately like NBA teams did it right, but he was the guy. And then I just don't think the Thunder were ever going to take Kaminga. They just, they just weren't going to do it. And right or wrong, they may end up being wrong. Like Kaminga could end up being a better player than Giddy. That's where these guys are still in the infancy of their NBA careers. Like we don't know, but I just don't think the Thunder were ever going to take Kaminga. So Giddy was always really intriguing to me because of the one, his attitude. Like I just loved watching his NBL tape just because, like, he's just that guy just competes. Like, he he's just got swagger, he legitimate does legitimate swagger. He was so much fun to watch. I was like, I don't know. I, you think that they'd have to trade back to get him or take their, you know, they had 16, 18, maybe you take 16, 18 and a future first and you can get up to 10 or something like that. That's kind of what everybody was thinking with Giddy that I think people thought they could get like book night and Giddy, but I was actually kind of excited about it. Cause I think if you endorse somebody like when Sam tr- like takes somebody that's out of range, you can kind of feel pretty good about it. Um, yeah. Like Westbrook was taken out of range. I-, I called it the biggest swing, his biggest swing since Russell Westbrook. And that one worked out pretty well. And to me, that's, that's where if he goes, if Sam goes away from consensus with a guy who's kind of a strange player who we all kind of decided this year, there's no good comp for Josh Giddy out there. If he takes a swing on a guy like that, that's great because I think we're in a phase in the NBA where the tide is turning. Things are about to change. Like this is going to become like the Luka Doncic, Jason Tatum NBA here yeah. very soon. And if you're building a team that's going to come up and change things or is going to come up and try to beat those guys, you got to be different. Like the Warriors snuck up on the Thunder in their last run because they were so different and they played so differently because they had a player that was really different and that could bend a defense like nobody else could that the thunder, they got lost. They got lost within that. And so if the thunder can be a team where you take these kind of strange players that people don't really quite know what to do with, and they're like a not just make this non-traditional team. Like I'm all for that. Like book night is a very traditional shooting guard. Like it was, but Giddy's like just this weirdo six, eight, point guard that you know i think for me i was excited about it and then you know what he did during the season was like wow like he that game in new york was just unbelievable you know he's shot 50 percent from the field he's 28 11 and 12 and you know beat the knicks in the garden like wow and shay didn't play in that game it was just that that game was unbelievable you know and that's i didn't expect to see him do anything close to that this year so do you think he's a potential star moving forward? Because what's, what's, what's really interesting about when you guys drafted him is that you, you can look at the offensive numbers where the team was at this year. You and I would agree that this year you guys got to target, you know, scoring and shooting in particular mm-hmm. in the draft. You could have won a few options to potentially go more down that route with that yeah. pick last year. But Sam Presti chose to take the best table setter in the draft the best mm-hmm. passer in the draft, the best connecting piece in the draft, the guy who's going to be able to set up all of the other future talent that the Thunder will likely bring in yep. at this point. But you mentioned some of the scoring stuff when you talked about him off the top. I agree. I think he's still got a long way to go in terms of finishing through contact around the basket, the shooting stuff. He's got a ways to go, but he's already shown enough flashes in his rookie year, right? Like, do you think he's he's a star that's going to be knocking on the door? Or you think he's just going to be one of the best complimentary pieces you probably could have gotten in the draft when you look back on it? Yeah, I, I see him as like a high-level connector. You know, he's not Draymond Green because he doesn't have the defensive prowess of Draymond, but if you think about him as like a souped up offensive version of Draymond Green for the Thunder offense, like that's what he's going to be. And he's going to create like, you know, less at the elbow, but more on ball. Um, and he's going to connect everything. And I think that really 
one thing that we have to understand is that like teams don't make picks in the draft in the lottery in isolation. Like they're not just looking at this draft. I mean, I yeah. think Sam had an eye on, on the 22 draft whenever he made the 21 pick um, because there's no, but like, there's just really not a lot of good passers in this, in this no. draft. There's like a, a, a handful and Paolo, Paolo has the case to be the best passer. In, in yeah. The and like, like he, he's fine, but like, he's not, he, he's not like Giddy. It's not the same thing. Right. It's like Paolo Dyson Daniels. I don't know. Like that's, that's like the list, you know? <laughs> and I think that he could see that and was just, you, you have to put, you have to really hope that you do well in this draft and the thunder did. They got to a really good spot and you're really glad you have Giddy now because you, to have a guy to link this team together. I mean, whether they get Chet, Jabari or Paulo, Josh Giddy's going to make their life so much easier. He's going to make them better. Yep. Yeah. From day one, you're going to be like, Oh, I didn't know that he could do this. Like if, if they end up getting Chet and we'll talk about that soon, people are going to say things like, I didn't know Chet could do that. Well, <laughs> Josh Giddy is going to pass him into spaces that he was never able to be in, yep. you know, at Gonzaga. And like, it's going to change Chet's. It could be huge for Chet or Jabari's career. I think Paolo needs him like to a lesser extent, but like he could really help unlock some things for both of those guys. We're like, Whoa, like those, those guys have actual offensive gravity and what, what Giddy's going to be able to do with a big that has offensive gravity, I think is going to be really intriguing. So I've loved how I've been able to set up these podcasts, right? Focus on the lottery teams to go big picture, then kind of focus in on the key building blocks. So we know, we know where the core of the team is right now. We know what the team has to build around in the draft. So now we can move into the fact that the Thunder have picks two, 12 and 30 in the first round. Some, some very interesting players are going to be on the board at all three spots. And, and Andrew, you guys, listen, whoever Sam deems is the best players in this draft class, he has the capital to go out and get those guys. Yeah. Like I, I, I fully expect him and expect you guys to draft the players that he truly feels are the best. So with that being said, number one is Orlando. We, all the intel at this point, and again, it could just be one massive ass smokescreen, but all mm-hmm. the intel is that Jabari Smith's going to be the number one pick. If he's the number one pick, are you sold enough on Chet Holmgren at this point to welcome him with open arms at number two? 100%. Yes. 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 He's a he's the defender they need at the rim. He's, I think he's got a lot left on the table offensively. His touch is like ridiculous. Um, he's going to be catching lobs from Giddy and from SGA. Yep. He plays with toughness and with physicality. I don't know. Everybody's concerned about the frame. I've watched every single offensive possession he's had, and I'm just not that concerned about the frame. Like, I just think- he, if he had like an injury history, it would be different, but he doesn't. Yeah. He has a clean yeah. bill of health coming in. Yeah. And I just love the attitude. And yeah. I just have a hard time believing the Thunder will sit down and talk to this guy and not just be like, yep, that's him. We, <laughs> we need him now. Um, and he's just, and I mentioned it with Giddy, like he's just weird. Like he's just a weird player. And I think that, I think he's going to shoot it from three. I'd be really surprised if he was like not a good three-point shooter at the NBA level. I mean, he really does have the chance to be the best player in this class. He's, I think that the thing the Thunder have going for them is that the the owner of the thunder will do whatever Sam wants. Yep. And so not every team's got that. I think that an owner could come in and really mess this up for a team where they look at Chet home and be like, you want to draft that guy at two? No, 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 no. Like I look at Paulo Bancaro built like a brick house is going to come in and he's going to tear guys heads off. He was 60 pounds more than this guy, you know, like give me him. I'll take him. I don't yeah. think he's going to fall apart where you look at Chet and you're, I mean, honestly, like if you, if you just, I don't even know how you could do this, but if you could just not see Chet's body 
and you could just understand the impact that he makes on the court and understand put, put all the skills out there right just like yeah. like, like this guy is this feet tall and he does yes. this, this and this on the court maybe you just show him the 2k sliders you know like let's just show the sliders only and which one do you want like it's like easily chet easily right. that guy but because you get to see what they look like, you're like oh, I don't know. That guy not only is real skinny, but he kind of looks weird. I'm just not into that. I think that's wrong. I think it's absolutely wrong. I think Chet's going to be a star at the NBA level and he can grab the ball off the rim and push like the transition stuff is crazy. It's yes. crazy. Yes. Um, and the Thunder don't have a great player in transition now. Like think of Josh Giddy, who's an elite rebounder, grabbing the ball off the rim. Chet leaks out your seven footer and just is going to have just as easy two points, probably like three or four times a game. Yeah. Like that's good. That's going to happen. Yeah. Um, so to me, it's, it's easily Chet Holmgren. I like Paulo Moncaro. If it ends up being him, I really like him for a lot of reasons. His offensive package is really interesting and it's different. Uh, his passing is obviously something that you mentioned earlier that is just better than anybody else in this range. Um, defensively, I have a lot of questions about as, what he's going to be. As do I. <laughs> um, and that's why, to me, everybody's like, oh, the safer pick is Paolo. It's no, the, the body you like better is Paolo. And the safer pick to me is Chet because he's going to defend and he's going to play on the offensive end. Like He's going to do both. He's a surer thing to be a two-way player than Paolo is. So to me, it's just funny. Everybody calls Paolo a safer pick. Where it's like, I just don't agree. Like, I think that Paolo is going to be productive. Yeah. Is he going to be productive toward winning? I don't know. Is he going to be a black hole as a player? Probably not because he is a good passer. But I don't know. I just, to me, Chet for this Thunder team feels almost safer just because I think you don't have to, you don't have the questions of can you build a good defense around Paolo Boncaro and and Shea Gilgeous Alexander. I think the answer with Chet is can you build a top two defense with Shea and Giddy and and Chet. I think is more like the question that you're going to ask yourself because Chet, I think he's going to be one of the most impactful defenders at the NBA level. Like period, full stop. He's he's the best rim protector in the draft class. I do not feel like he dies in space on defense. Um, he can swallow guys up with his length. He is, he's not the most fleet of foot, but certainly I, I think that he recognizes things. Enough. That, that's the other thing too, Andrew, man, like he might be the smartest player in this draft class. And I don't think anybody talks about that. He's very underrated from an IQ standpoint. It helps everything he does on defense. Some of the passing has become underrated. And then the offense that we can talk about, I, I've seen this ridiculous notion on social media that he can't be like a 20 plus points per game scorer. Yeah. I could not disagree more yeah. because all the things he can do, he cuts really well. Yeah. He's, a, he's a lob finisher. He's an easy, you know, garbage bucket guy. He'll be able to stretch the floor from the three on, on trailer situations. You mentioned the transition stuff, getting him out on the break. Then you throw in anything he can throw in creativity wise off the bounce Right. He keeps developing that aspect of his game, which everybody that we've talked to and no ceilings behind the scenes, guys who have actually seen him work out. They're like, yeah, that that's going to be there for him in the NBA. Like you add up all these different play types. I find it very hard to believe that the guy who got 14 points per game at Gonzaga, basically being exclusively a play finisher, right. Mm -hmm. Feasting off the garbage of everybody else. I find it really hard to believe that that dude, can't find a way to add six plus extra points per game in the NBA when he's allowed to be a little more free. Yeah, totally agree. And, you know, not playing with the, I mean, I don't know that they'll play, they're not going to play with a traditional big in OKC unless they, I'd be surprised if they drafted Mark Williams at 12. I don't think they should. Maybe they do. Then maybe he does play next to a traditional big, but to me, like you just put him next to Jeremiah Robinson Earl and just, you know, let those guys guard whoever, I mean, they yeah. spent the entire year when when Jerry played trying to see if he can guard both fours and fives and trying to see who they can pair him with. Like they they played him as the center and sometimes they played him with favors. And it's like to me, they were preparing him for this role next yep. next to Chet. And it makes a ton of sense because Jeremiah is like so strong and he's going to be a guy that can defend the bigger guy 
And while Chet can, you know, defend weak side and, you know, it's, it's going to, it's going to be really interesting to see, or if you like Jeremy Sohan, like pairing him with Sohan, like you could do that because those guys are just going to be monsters defensively. And just, um, that again, like a really strong four that can defend the, the bigger five. Like that's to me, that's kind of the idea of how you make this work. And if you can get a guy that stretches out, like even better. Um, but yeah, I'm, I'm fully in on chat. Is there anybody you would be screaming at the thunder to trade up maybe in like the, the mid portion of the lottery to maybe grab any, anybody you would want them to target if, if they were looking at doing so? Cause you, you, you got the picks. You can go, like I said, you can go up and get whoever you want. Is there anybody yeah. you think would be worth doing that? I would probably do it for Ben Matherin or Dyson Daniels would probably be the two guys that I like the best. Um, Dyson Daniels, just because it gives you the potential to be like the best passing team in the NBA, um, which would be really a cool thing. Uh, And then Matherin is just a guy they don't have. They don't, they don't have like this six, six athletic, supremely confident player that, you know, he's got a pretty well-rounded offensive game. And, you know, he's going to have like big time quarters in the NBA. And um, I really, I really, really like him. Um, so it'd probably be between one of those guys that, that I would want them to trade up for. Um, I don't know. I'm an AJ Griffin skeptic at this point. Um, why, I just why, work- why, why you out on AJ Griffin? Cause I'm, I'm, I'm in a similar boat, but why are you, why are you a skeptic? I just worry if he's going to return to form. Like, I don't want to yeah. bet on a guy who has to return to form you know, in order for him to reach his potential. Like that just concerns me. And then he's just heavy. Like he just plays heavy and maybe all of that changes. If he looks different in a workout. um, Okay. Like sign me up because he's one of the youngest guys in the draft. He can really just shoot the basketball. You know, he's got, you know, he's got great NBA pedigree. You know, his dad was, you know, a Supreme competitor at the NBA level. And that's how he kind of made his money in the NBA and, you know, I, I think he's got a good head on his shoulders, um, but the injury stuff scares me. I don't, I don't know that I would want to trade up to get a guy, you know, who's had injury problems and, you know, now has athleticism problems because he's yeah. had injury problems. Like the, that, all of that is the reason why I'm out on him today. Um, but the shooting stuff is intriguing. And then yeah. the, so that's kind of where I'm at with him. So if you guys stay at 12, you already mentioned Jeremy Sohan. We can throw in the, the Jalen Duran, Mark Williams, uh, gruesome twosome at the center spot. We can talk about Usman Jang. Mm-hmm. Did you, is there anybody you're, you're really hoping they would target the most in that range is your answer, Jeremy, for that question. I like Jeremy a lot. I almost love his story more than I love him. Uh, his story is just so cool. Um, yeah. I kind of hope that Malachi Branham is there. Yes, like, I was literally going to ask you, did you chew on that name anymore when, when I said it on yeah. down the Yeah, he's he, he's not like the perfect fit, you know, for OKC, but like the talent there is just like do it. Like take 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 that guy. He's 19. I, I think that he we could look up, you know, halfway through the year next year and be like, how did Malachi Branham slide? Like what what happened there? Um, to me, he, he gets lost. There's like this really interesting group that kind of starts with Jaden Ivy and Shaden Sharp, and then goes to AJ Griffin, Dyson Daniels, Ben Matherin, Johnny Davis, you know, you can throw Malachi Branham, you can throw a Baji in there. It's just like Ty Ty Washington is probably like the tail end of it where it's like all these guys who are, you know, they have some overlap in what they do. And one of those guys is going to pop. Yeah. Or maybe even a couple of them are going to pop. Like, who's it going to be? I'm betting on Brandon to be one of the guys that pops, though. Like, I kind of am too. And I think that he's gone under the radar, you know, compared to some of these other guys. Like, Ben Matherin's going to, is going to pop in a workout probably more than he does. Um, Just because he's got, he can jump out of the gym. He's got a great personality too. And he's got a really interesting story as well that I think will intrigue people. Like, he's been, he's lived a lot of life you know, you know, at a really young age. Um, and I think that he's matured fast, had to mature faster than a lot of these guys because of that. And I think NBA teams will latch on to that. 
Um, so yeah, I, that group, I like a lot of the guys in that group. Um, I would be content with any of those guys to me, the, the thunder can get a big in free agency. They've proven that, you know, they're John able Drayton to may possibly be on the market. Oh, oh no, don't, don't tell me you're out on Deandre. Ayton. I'm just, okay. Here's what we need to know about the thunder and Deandre. Ayton. Sure. Sam spent a bunch of time talking to us about what he calls not pushing that freaking button. <laughs> and he's, and I love he, where this is going already. <laughs> And pushing the like trying to bring on a guy like Aiden is pushing the button. Like it's not time yet. It's just it's just not time. I also just question whether Aiden would even sign an offer sheet with the Thunder, period. You know, what max level restricted free agent has ever you know been knocking on OKC's door? The answer is zero. None have ever done that. And also OKC's um, cap space is about to evaporate. Because they still have Kemba Walker's deal on the books. They yeah. still have Derek Favors deal on the books. They're about to have Shea's deal on the books. And they're about to have the number two picks deal on the books. So the perceived cap space that people think the Thunder have is going to be gone. Um, so it's really not even possible. Like they could, they would have to maneuver a lot of things around to get there. But because of the Kemba Walker deal, they essentially don't have that flexibility that a lot of people think they do they will have that flexibility next year to do something with it in which case i think they'd be more open to it after one more draft but you bring Aiden onto this team and you have Aiden, sga chet or whoever you get it to there's gonna be pressure for them to win like right away and i can tell you right now <laughs> the thunder aren't pressing that friggin' button Good. I, I, I do like to, to hear that answer of, of reservation. You mentioned, you mentioned Ty Ty Washington. So I've talked to a few people who, who were out at the combine since then. One, I actually got to interview on the record was Matt Babcock yesterday on my podcast. Nice. Most interesting piece of Intel he gave mm-hmm. me the whole time was that Ty Ty's not getting out of the lottery. Um, I'm not there. I have Ty Ty in the twenties on my board at this point. Yeah. And my reasoning for that is I think at this point in the NBA, there's been a certain threshold um, that you have to hit at the point guard position, right? You have to be a certain level of talent at the point guard spot to be a starter at the quote unquote lead guard. Yeah. I'm not sure if any of these guys in that, in, in this draft class at the point guard spot, would be Ty Ty, Kenny Chandler, John Montero. I don't think any of those guys are that guys. Like if you're drafting somebody who has to be situationally in the correct spot to start for an NBA team, I don't know if I want to take you in the lottery. You kind of feel the same way about Ty Ty. Yeah. I don't love, I don't love the fit with OKC. I don't really see like if he reached his potential, who's he supplanting, you know, in the OKC lineup. Um, I'd rather swing on somebody else because there is a lot, there are a lot of guys in that range that I think are worth the swing on. Like I, I just flat out rather have Branham, Johnny Davis, yes. Matherin, Daniels, Griffin. Like, I just rather, I just like all of those guys. You know, Usman Jang, I'd rather take a swing on him. If you're going to take a chance on somebody. Um, now, if the Thunder were at 20 or 19 or even 18, it's like, okay, fine. Sure. Like that's to me, that makes sense. But, at 12, to me, that just that feels a little bit too rich to me. Really quick, I'll get you out of here on this. Pick number 30. Anybody in particular you're, you're, you're looking at, you kind of heard about, any, any, anywhere, any direction you want the Thunder to go at 30? I kind of like Blake Wesley. Okay, um, you, you can sell me. on. I, I, I'm the guy in No Silence who's been trying to sell others on Blake Wesley. So I just like the potential. I don't know, I don't know how good he's going to be at the NBA level. But I think as a scorer coming off the bench, like throw him in there and let him compete with Trey Mann and see if he can, if he can stick in the NBA. Um, just the age factor to me is kind of a big deal for him. And then like, if you're just looking at just a skill set that every team needs, like Christian Braun is interesting yes. um, as just like this tough nose defender shooter. Where it's just like everybody needs a guy like that. And, 
you might as well take a guy like that at 30. Um, so he are you, to me, are you as scared as shit about Leonard Miller as I am? Yeah, not at 30. Like you can start talking to me about 34, but I don't know. I don't know what to do. I, I, I am not educated enough on Leonard Miller to know what to do, but anytime I talk to somebody about him, they're just like, it's usually like a, yeah, with a long pause. And it's like, okay, no, thanks. Like if, if that's how you start your breakdown of somebody, I'm, I'm kind of, I'm kind of out. Um, Kamigate is interesting. If you want a big in that range, like you could, you could sell me that that's a good spot for him. Um, Max Christie's out of Michigan state's interesting too. There's to me, there's a lot of really interesting guys. David Roddy, thick daddy, David Roddy um, is really fun. Uh, and I would is he's the exact kind of player I would like to root for here in Oklahoma city. Uh, he would supplant our, our former thick daddy, Raymond Felton here. So bring that, bring that guy aboard. And I think we will, we will cherish and love that man here in Oklahoma city. So, you know, that those guys window more too, I think is somebody that will be in that range that, you know, has, has a lot of interesting thundery traits to him aside from his age. Like he's got some thundery traits to him. You mentioned, so you mentioned Kamigate, any, any Christian Coloco love, they went that direction at 30. Like, Andrew, you understand, man. I, I had like people throwing pitchforks at me last night on draft Twitter, like that I want Mark Williams to go in the lottery. And they're like, why would you do that when you can get Christian Coloco like back end of the first, early second round? I'm like, I think there's a significant gap, but I don't know. Maybe, maybe enough people feel differently to where I'm wrong. I don't know. You like it? Uh, uh, I don't know. Again, I kind of go back to the Thunder can get, I think the Thunder can get a big in free agency or through trade very easily. And so to me, Throughout the entire draft, I am targeting versatility yes. over over like a big. Like I'm just, I'm almost unless it's a unless it's an elite big man. I just say you can get those guys in another way. You know, Clint Capella was available for very little. You know, to the Hawks, and he is like a legitimately a very good NBA player. He's just available. And those kind of guys are available in the NBA. To me, you know, the Thunder, you know, they traded for Kendrick Perkins, you know, not that they need to trade for a guy like that. But to me, I would rather use my draft capital on guys that you can never get in Oklahoma City, which means wings and creators and guys that are versatile that can play like the three and the four or even the four and the five like they did with JRE. Like those guys you will never, ever get in free agency. And so... I would like to target guys, the kind of players that you won't be able to get in free agency. Like even like Jalen Williams, everybody wants to talk about Jalen Williams. My guy, like, our guy, I should say it. No series. That that's a guy you can't, that if he's there at 30 and he probably won't be there at 30, but if he's there, like you can't get that guy in Oklahoma city. Like he's yeah. not going to be available to you in free agency. So to me that, that should be the strategy. I'll be, I'll be a little bit irked if they walk away with like one or more traditional big men in this draft, just because I just, I think you can find those guys. And I also think you, you know, Dallas is showing like you can also just play without them. You know, you don't have to have those guys to compete in this NBA. You know, having strong, smart, versatile players is more important than having just traditional size. And if they get, if they, if things work out and they get Chet, that provides you with just the ability to do some of the most weirdo stuff that doesn't involve a traditional center at all, um, which is kind of where I would want them to be anyway. So that's kind of where, why I land on like guys like Christian Braun and Roddy and Jalen Williams, where it's just, to me, those guys make more sense at 30 and 34 uh, for OKC than even Kamigate or Coloco or anybody like that. I agree with your philosophy 100%, my friend. And, and Andrew, I can't thank you enough for, for coming on this podcast and showing myself and No Ceiling some love. You hung out with, with Rucker and Metcalf the other day on the No Ceiling show, and you did an excellent job over there, as expected. Seriously, it, it means a lot that people like yourself are willing to take the time to come on pods with us and talk to us. And so I'm, I'm always appreciative, and I'll always say thank you for, for you taking the time to do that. So one more time, just... Plug yourself, plug your socials for my audience. Make sure they know where to find you. 
Hey, you can find me on Twitter at Andrew K. Schlecht. That's S-C-H-L-E-C-H-T. Find me at Down to Dunk. Uh, you can find me on the Athletic NBA show. I, I'm producing all the Athletic NBA shows this week, but I normally <laughs> just produce the Tuesday show and the Saturday show, and I host the Saturday show as well. So go check that out. Um, yeah, it's going to be a wildly fun draft season with Thunder fans, so uh, be sure to join us. Yes, and definitely make sure you're staying tuned to everything I'm doing over here at Draft Deeper. Thank you so much for listening to this episode of the podcast. If you aren't subscribed, please make sure you do so wherever you get your podcast, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, YouTube. Make sure you follow me on Twitter at Draft Deeper. Make sure you follow No Ceilings at No Ceilings NBA and subscribe to the No Ceilings Substack, NoCeilingsNBA.com for awesome draft content Monday through Friday. We're always pumping out new stuff. And there will certainly be more on both podcast feeds as well as the draft deck, all of the podcasts on the No Ceilings Podcast Network. But until the next episode, thank you all for listening. I hope you all have a wonderful rest of your week.